hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lunar Crush Live. We are back home today, and we are super excited um, for the project that we got on today, the graph and uh, Tegan from Edge and Node. Um, but before we bring her up, John, let's hear about some social. But first, disclaimer, we do not take payment for our live stream. Uh, we bring on cool projects and people that we find interesting, and we talk about founders, we talk about traction, we talk about technology, we talk about all the other things. So not not big on price, except for this first section here, we might get into a little bit, um, but do not take payment, we bring on cool projects. Uh, make sure you guys hit that subscribe. We got some cool projects coming up. We got Hacken and Hopi coming on, or Hoppo, or I don't even know, Hopi or Hoppo, I don't know, but they're coming on and uh, you know we'll, we'll have some, I think he's gonna come on with like, a, like he's got the whole avatar pseudonymous thing coming on, so that'll be fun. Um, and then, uh, yeah, hit that subscribe button, get it going and ask some questions in the chat here today, uh, for Tegan and, uh, make sure they're super difficult. We're going to hit her hard. Just kidding. Make it fun. All right, John, what's up? Well, with, with that, Joe, I'm going to talk about price first. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, let's, let's talk about the graph and just some, in some things that we're seeing. Um, we added, uh, the graph on January 6th. So a fairly recent addition to Lunar Crush. Um, uh, we've been following it, uh, for quite a bit. Uh, very, very exciting project. So let's start by looking at some numbers. Um, so the price currently 166 um, over the last three months, it's up about 320%. So very, very nice performance, especially when you consider that the market cap is 2 billion, 2.04 billion, placing it at number 53 in terms of market cap rank. Um, very impressive. So congrats to the graph team. That's huge. Um, over the last 24 hours, we're seeing $323.52 million in trading volume. And currently the circulating supply, we're showing 1.22 billion out of 10 billion max. Um, so with that, let's let's move on from price and talk about some social metrics that we're seeing. So over the last uh, three months, roughly speaking, since January 6th, we've seen 118.5 thousand um, social mentions. And what that's looking at is anytime someone's mentioning the graph, the ticker, hashtags, all of that, um, we're collecting all of that information. Um, we're looking uh, across Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, Medium, um, lots of news websites as well. Um, and, and we have a news metric. And so to just look at the activity, I mean, the high that we've seen, we've seen as many as 6,572 mentions. That's actually very significant. That's a lot. Um, and so that's on a daily basis. Um, it's, it's tapered off since, but there's some other interesting things that I'll point out to you in a moment. Um, we're seeing that the social engagement uh, engagement measures the depth of those posts. So where a post may uh, call out for, you know, ticker GRT, um, the depth beneath it, the comments, the retweets, all of that engagement going on, we measure all of that. And so what's really exciting about that is if you, if you don't see a lot of engagement on posts, it means that you, you, you typically don't have a very engaged community. Um, and what we see here is actually a lot. So when we look at that, that engagement here, we see that the, the engagements, there, there you go. The engagement's very high. So like back on February 10th, we have over 8 million engagements. So that means lots of comments, lots of retweets, lots of upvotes on Reddit and things like that. So a lot going on. Um, we're currently way over here at about six and 650,000. Um, when we look at the contributors, they've trended as high as 4,800 unique individuals per day. So contributors is a really exciting metric to look at uh, because it, it, it really shows how many people are talking about the graph um, versus just maybe a few people posting a lot or a few people commenting a, a lot. There's a lot of individuals. So 4810, still a ton of room to grow. Very exciting. 
Um, this is also pretty exciting too. Another metric, uh, social dominance. When we see that back here on January 16th, uh, the graph had 1.42% of all social activity that day across all coins that we measure. Wow. And so e even to even looking re recently, we're like 0 0.1, 0 0.11. I mean, that's actually very significant. That's a lot. Um, it's very difficult to, to uh, obtain that. And I want to show a couple things too. So we measured the correlation of uh, market and social activity. So very interesting to note that when we saw this huge run right in here, when everyone seemed to constantly be talking about the graph here, uh, the, the correlation rank was a five out of five. So when, when we consider that it can't go any higher than that, we, we can pretty much say that social activity and market activity at this moment, when, when the graph did its, its highest moment yet, um, the activity of social correlated perfectly. Um, in fact, it correlated even ahead of when the price rose. So when you look at that, so very like back into here, so very exciting. Um, uh, just to point out a couple other things, uh, Galaxy Score, we measure the, what Galaxy Score is, is it's a combined metric looking at the strength of this coin over time, only the graph. It's not looking at anything else. Um, and it's combined social and market activity. And it's very healthy. I mean, we're seeing a 60.5 out of 100. That's in the bullish camp. Um, so it's, it's looking very, very good, very, very healthy um, over time. And over this time, just to point out, um, we also measured the who. So who is posting and who is most influential over this period of time. So when we look at, um, it, it's weighted towards engagement, um, but also how much activity, how much popularity does that ac account have? And we look at it in time buckets. So whereas one person may be influential one day, they may not be influential over a, a three month or six month period. It varies over time. So, um, so with that, uh, our top influencers that we've been noting over the last three months are Shardy B, uh, Coin Mamba, Shardy Crypto B. Newton, uh, Alex, Bullish Alex, I should say, uh, D Link Bull, Crypto Boss 1984, J There to Help One, Bull Sailor, Crypto Off, and Maxim Loves Cryptos. And with that, let's bring our guest in. All right, all right, all right. Dig in. How are you? Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I guess one thing I want to preface with is, you know, the graph is a work utility token. And so the listeners should only be purchasing what they intend to use in the graph network. Um, and the graph has fundamental value. So really excited to talk about that, that value today. Right, right, exactly. So with that, I mean, tell us, you know, so you're the business lead at, at Edge and Node. Um, so just kind of give the viewers a little bit of a, a feel for kind of how the how all the ecosystem kind of interacts and what's your role there and kind of what's a day in the life for you um, at Edge and Node and, and part of the graph. Yeah, absolutely. So the Graph Foundation launched GRT. Um, the Graph Foundation is really kind of stewarding economic growth and development within the Graph ecosystem. And Edge and Node is one of the many organizations that live within the Graph ecosystem. And so Edge and Node is kind of the initial team behind the Graph. Uh, we're focused on building a very vibrant, decentralized future, helping to kind of uh, contribute to the Web3 stack and making sure that that is fully decentralized. Um, and so we're, we have a service agreement with the Graph Foundation to provide um, different like marketing, um, technical um, use cases for the Graph. Um, but the Graph Foundation is overseen by um, the council, which is a 10-person kind of multi-sig. Um, and each 
person it kind of represents a different community member within the council um, and so the graph foundation and the council kind of oversee all of the grants and the um, protocol upgrades very cool and so tell, tell us a little bit about your journey you know with with the project and, and your career a little bit and and how you got involved into crypto yeah, absolutely. So uh, my story kind of begins, well, in 2011, I learned about Bitcoin. Um, oh, wow. Early on. Hmm. Kevin Signiki, who launched Avalanche Protocol. Um, wow. But I didn't, I, I kind of went a traditional finance route. Um, I learned about it, you know, back when I was in college, was studying finance, went into investment banking at Bank of America in the financial institutions group. So we did our own M&A in-house um, and also kind of doing different things within the IPO securities market. Um, and then I joined Barclays to do sales and trading to kind of see the other aisle of investment banking, get into a much faster paced environment. Um, and I was there for uh, over three years. And then I learned about Ethereum about five years ago and really kind of saw the opportunity to redistribute resources um, and kind of create a new financial system outside of the one that existed. So I joined a decentralized VPN to work on getting everyone equal access to the internet, um, which is staffed by Andreessen Horowitz, Sequoia, Polychain, a lot of really great supporters, learned a lot from all of them and, and that experience helped them launch um, about two years ago now. Uh, and then after launching that that company or helping to launch that company, I really kind of took a step back in the blockchain ecosystem um, and really felt like a lot of what was launching on the Ethereum blockchain and just applications in the blockchain space overall were just not competitive with centralized applications. And I like firmly believe that blockchains are the future of the internet. And I want to make sure we kind of get to that future. And so I joined the graph. I was focusing on kind of um, doing different uh, GRT relations within the graph ecosystem. Um, and then focusing on business development, I started to lead business. Um, and then in December of 2020, we launched the graph protocol. Um, so the kind of the technology behind the graph. Um, and the decentralized ecosystem. And so there was a lot of work kind of getting up to that moment, building a really great community of developers that are all using subgraphs within the graph ecosystem. And now, and then uh, we launched Edge and Node kind of in conjunction. And um, and yeah, that's kind of where we are. Cool. So like a banker turned technologist, <laughs> found decentralized everything and, and fell down the rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. One day I woke up and <laughs> I was like, this is too centralized. We had to, we had to do something different here. That's good though. We need those bankers, those sales and traders. We need them on our side. Like, this is great. Totally. It was good hazing. It was good hazing. <laughs> Tegan, you, you just said something. You, you said uh, the future that you see. What is that future that you see? Yeah. So, you know, the internet wasn't created to monetize people's data and sell people ads. And so, you know, Bitcoin is really revolutionizing finance. And I think the graph and Ethereum are really revolutionizing the internet. Um, and I think we need both. And I think they kind of go hand in hand. And so I, you know, we're already seeing kind of a mass exodus from web two into web three. Web two is what I call kind of the legacy internet or the centralized internet. And web three is what we call the decentralized internet. And um, for example, Edge and Node just hired a top engineer from Google that was managing uh, a hundred person team, also someone from Amazon. So we're seeing a lot of people now that this infrastructure, this decentralized infrastructure exists, we're seeing so many brilliant minds that we're focusing on ads um, and, and data now coming into this space. Um, and it's, it's a really exciting time. And so I, you know, I foresee 
all of Web2 kind of moving on to Web3, decentralizing the stack, decentralizing applications. Most of the applications that we use today on our smartphones, I think, will become decentralized. Um, and those tools are kind of getting into place now. The graph is one integral piece of the stack, decentralizing the indexing and query layer. But there are so many other elements that need to be decentralized. So help Edgenode is kind of helping to identify those, supporting those ecosystem, the graph foundation as well, and providing grants to different um, people with ambitions in the space. So um, that's kind of how I view the future. And I think the graph will be there to kind of index and query every piece of the stack, really all of the data in the world in the future. That, that is super exciting. I'd love to hear those conversations with those engineers coming from Google and Amazon. And I mean, I'd wonder what's going on behind those walls over there. You know, what, what exactly are they? Are they coming to the graph because they can't get anything done at those companies? Or is it too slow or... I think it's tricky. I, I, I mean, everyone has a different experience, right? I think, you know, the centralized internet, a lot of these companies started out with really great intentions and provided really great tools for the world. But the difficulty with the centralized internet is that the incentives are not aligned for the individuals. Nothing is free. There's no free lunch. We're taught this in any economic economics class. And so people are really kind of paying with their data or their attention. Um, but they're, you know, they're only, people are only, we're, we are only kind of becoming knowledgeable about that and what's happening. Like when I download an application, you know, where does my data go? Does, is that sent to, you know, what, what, what kind of individuals have that data, have access to that information? Um, and we're kind of waking up to what that looks like. And so, um, yeah, and now, you know, with, I think, tokens kind of as the next evolution of the business model, you can have like open source decentralized code in a sustainable way. You know, previously, a lot of developers had to rely on donations for their open source work. And also, you know, their code is kind of on GitHub, owned by GitHub, we're seeing censorship and surveillance. And so there's, you know, even that needs to be kind of decentralized. And that's something that Radical's working on, which we're really excited about. Um, and so there's so much, yeah, excitement and um, the, the infrastructure is kind of coming to fruition so that we can kind of see that mass waterfall effect from Web 2 into Web 3. Yeah, and you bring up something that, you know, we kind of experienced a little bit over at Lunar Crushes, you know, we've, we've experienced a lot of growth in the last couple of months. And, and we talked to a lot of investors and, um, you know, they're like, Oh, with that with that amount of traffic, why don't you guys just put up some ads? Right? You guys could be making whatever <laughs> with these Google ads. And I'm like, well, then you don't really understand the entire purpose of what we're trying to achieve. <laughs> but it's it's interesting that that's just the first place that people's minds go, because that's all they understand right now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because that's what the world looks like. Uh, but yeah, I would love to help kind of decentralize, <laughs> get you all building with the graph uh, and decentralize the inductive layer. Yeah, no, I think I think we will. And then so could you just give everyone like, what is like the the quick like elevator, like two sentence, like what is the graph? Like when you're, you know, you're trying to explain it at home over a holiday to someone that really is not, you know, into the space, like, what do you say? Yeah, so the graph is a decentralized indexing and query layer. So what does that mean? When I say index, you can kind of think of like a database with all the world's data, open public on-chain data. Um, and when I say query, you can almost think of search. So kind of like what Google does for the web, the graph does for the blockchain. With web two, you had all this great data, but it was really difficult to access that data in the web until Google came out with search. And Google you know, indexed all of the web's data, which was super radical at that time. And so the graph is indexing 
collecting and querying all of the decentralized data, uh, which still kind of seems a little bit radical, but you know, given you know the amount of developers and traction, you know, it's, it's all it's all real now. Um, and so the graph allows for developers to access blockchain data and serve that data to their users. So the graph started out with Ethereum. And then we're going multi-chain. So we also index and query um, Binance Smart Chain data, Phantom's data, um, Fuse's data. And then we are adding support. The tech team's working on the integration for Polkadot, Solana, Celo, um, and really any blockchain, any wow. layer two will be indexed and queried by the graph. Um, and that's really cool. And then you can do really awesome kind of cross-chain searches and really uniting the Web3 ecosystem. And so the graph is used by many applications that I'm sure your users and listeners know and love, um, like Uniswap, Synthetics, Aave, Balancer, Gnosis, Numeri, LivePeer, DAOStack, Decentraland, Gods Unchained, the list goes on and on. Over yeah. 14,000 developers have built over 9,000 subgraphs using you know, you know, the graph subgraphs, which are kind of open APIs. And so for like a non-technical audience, an API, you can think of like uh, LinkedIn has kind of a closed API or a Facebook has a closed API. So as a developer, I can't go and port Facebook's data to my application because the API is closed. But within the crypto space, the APIs are all open. So I can go to uniswap.info and I can pull all of that data, which is being pulled from the Ethereum blockchain via the graphs, subgraphs, um, into my own application. And we're seeing that with like Rainbow Wallet is pulling that information. And this leads to so much more development because everything's transparent, open, permissionless. You can, you know, you don't have to ask anyone's permission to do that. That's, you know, the point. And so we're seeing so much innovation happening um, and so much growth. So... We've also seen query growth growth go from a few hundred queries at the beginning of last year to over 1 billion queries in the course of June. Yeah, I was going to say that number is going to be gigantic, what you were about wow. to say there. <laughs> yes, and wow. now and last month there were over 13 billion queries. Um, and so it's really exciting, um, a really exciting time for, I think, the entire Web3 ecosystem. And, um, and yeah. So 100 to 1 billion to 13 billion, but 100 to 1 billion in a year, 1 billion to 13 billion in one month? So um, in June of last year, we hit 1 billion oh, June. June. And then at the oh, end okay. of November, there were around 10 billion queries over the course of that month. And then last month, 13 billion queries. So really parabolic growth. Um, <laughs> yeah, parabolic. Oh. It speaks to the kind of the growth within Ethereum and IPFS and, and really the broader Web3 ecosystem. Where, where is all that demand coming from? Where do you see the trends? Yeah, so DeFi really kind of took us all <laughs> yeah. off. I really, uh -huh. I don't think DeFi could have happened without the graphs uh, infrastructure underneath. You know, Ethereum had this narrative when I got into, um, when I when I basically joined the graph that there were no users. And that's because the applications would have to do all this indexing and querying in-house. They would have to build it in a centralized way. It took forever up to like from one year to three years time. It's really expensive and costly. It's difficult to maintain. Um, and so the graph, abstracts all that difficulty away so that developers and, and um, application um, builders can really focus on the user experience of their applications. Um, and so now we're seeing applications that can pull data quickly and efficiently from the Ethereum blockchain so that they can really just focus on having really great applications. Um, and now we are seeing applications that are better than centralized applications. I think a, a good example of this is Foundation, which is a, an NFT art marketplace. They have you know, built Foundation using the graph subgraphs and it, it's like a really great user experience. 
So really, so I mean, funny. what I hear, or go ahead, John. I, well, I was just going to say so, so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the DeFi, just looking at DeFi, it, it's so, um, it's interesting to look at that user experience layer over the last year. Totally. You know, like a year ago, we were talking, I mean, we're, it was hot. It was starting to be hot, right? And and it was like, like there's this big new thing, kind of like how NFTs are, are taking off today. But you look at the user experience, a lot of these sites, and you're going, wait, I, I can't even figure out how to use this thing, let alone trust it. And then you look at some of them today, and it, it's mind blowing that that acceleration. It's like it's like okay. Amazon.com version one versus version ten, but all within one year. Totally it's pretty amazing. It is. It's really incredible. And I'm also excited about NFTs because I think you know we've kind of gotten a bad rap in the crypto space of just kind of building for one another and not really kind of doing what we set out to do, which was really revolutionize finance and technology. Um, but it's great to see a lot of the money that's been cr made and created within the DeFi space and flowing into NFTs and going to artists and creators. And I really think this is only the beginning. You know, you guys have a social media platform. We need so many more of the those that are truly decentralized and um, you know just there's so much opportunity also with identity and so many things to still be discovered and, and moved on to web3 so this is really just the beginning Very cool. I, I like what you said and it's like it's like the graph is unifying web3 while maintaining the privacy that that the the internet was supposed to have you know at, at the beginning and it's like when you think about you know, TCP IP and the way that everything was developed. And there were originally competitors to that, right? And it ended up just being one because the, the government, the US government decided that was it because they made it. Um, but, you know, the the internet with decentralized applications and, and so many chains, it's like, it's it's kind of segmented, but it's like the internet doesn't work well if it's still segmented. So it's like, you guys are kind of filling this gap um, that's still allowing for the the future that's out there. And so it was such a pivotal, I feel like, piece to the infrastructure that, you know, we didn't have in 2017. Totally. Right? And we couldn't do. Totally. And I think, you know, people think when they think interoperability, they think about like at the at the base layer, at the blockchain layer, interoperability, like what Cosmos and Polkadot are doing. But I really think that that interoperability will come at the indexing and querying layer. And what's exciting on that, that the graph uses, the graph subgraphs, it's GraphQL and TypeScript. And so GraphQL was a language that was created by Web2, by Facebook, that a lot of Web2 app, um, developers use. And so developers can come and build on Ethereum without needing to know Solidity. They can just build a subgraph really easily. And so we're going to then bring that to all other chains, really unifying that ecosystem, making it really easy to spin up dApps, uh, which are decentralized applications on blockchains. And I think that we will see you know, back in the day, creating a website wasn't as easy as it is today. You had to identify which pieces of the stack you would use to create a website. It was really complicated. And now today, anyone can do it. It's like two clicks, you can create a website. I think the same thing will happen with dApps. It'll be two clicks to create. Anyone can do it. We make it super, it'll be super easy to kind of create that. You don't need to be massively technical. Um, and I'm really excited for that feature because that's when I think we'll see a ton of innovation and things you know we couldn't even comprehend at this time. Yeah, I think that rings a bell for for John, who you know has probably been making websites you know for for a long time yeah. and built an entire company to build websites in two clicks. So it's like it just seeing that progression probably makes sense to you, right? Yeah, yeah, we've also seen, we've also worked on projects, no, no joke, where 150 people are involved on building a website wow. that the the end result was uh, eight to nine figures for a consumer-facing website. 
and like you see the nonsense that goes in um, and what consultancies try and charge just to, to people that don't know how to build websites, basically. Right. Um, so it, it's fascinating. There's so much inefficiency in that space, but um, GraphQL is amazing, um, super fast and single query and you get all this data. Um, I, I'm, I'm really, I'd like to shift into like, um, I was reading about, there's like three main components. Like you've got consumers, indexers, and curators. Curators. I'd love to know that there's like an incentivization totally. pattern going on. Like, how does this all come together? I guess. Yeah, there's actually four. And so the the graph, it's basically kind of like graph economics. We've kind of created a new financial system. Now that we have this infrastructure that is neutral and decentralized, um, it's really important that you have the proper incentivization structures within that. Um, you know, obviously, as we've seen, like a lot of deplatforming, we know that the technology, you know, should be neutral, but what's important to get right is the incentive structure so that you don't see bad behavior. Um, and so within the graph network, there's uh, indexers, curators, delegators, and consumers. So the indexers, that's the most technical role. They're node operators. And it's not just like spinning up a Raspberry Pi and letting it run. It's like a very involved role. Um, and so each indexer is basically their own business. And they identify which subgraphs they want to stake upon. They stake GRT on the subgraphs. And subgraphs, as I mentioned before, open API is kind of like a proxy for applications. So imagine there's a lunar crush subgraph. You can create one. I can create one. It's totally permissionless. Um, so then how do the indexers know which lunar crush subgraph to index on? Well, that's where the curators come in. And curation hasn't la launched yet in the, the decentralized network. So keep an eye out for that. Mm -hmm. um, but the curators, I like to call them like the open data alpha finders. I think your audience is very privy to this kind of as you know, supporters of different projects, they're always, you know, looking for the next best project. Well, this is the same thing, but looking for the next next best subgraph. And so if they know that there's like a new Uniswap uh, subgraph coming out, they can get their early mint signal on a bonding curve so that, you know, the earlier you mint that signal the to the indexers, the more you earn. So that's really exciting. And then um, the and then there's the delegators. And this is the least technical role. And the delegators just need to pick which indexer they would like to delegate to. They delegate GRT to the indexer that helps to secure the graph network. Delegators stake can't be slashed. So it's different than like the Cosmos ecosystem where it can. So as a delegator, your, your um, principal stake is safe. Um, the, the indexers, if you choose, you know, a, a malicious indexer, their stake can be slashed. Um, and so the delegators earn over 20% right now APY in the graph network for doing that act of just kind of staking with an indexer. And, um, yeah. yeah. And so I think that's pretty substantial. I don't really know yeah. another protocol yeah. that has that high of APY. Um, it's, it's like much higher than 20% right now, but I say 20% to kind of under promise over deliver because, you know, we, uh, over time, I'm sure it will kind of come closer to 20%. So, so the, uh, explain that a little more. So, so someone's basically staking with an indexer, they're yeah, getting 20%. So how does those, those payouts every day, every week, or how does that work? Yeah. So right now there's over 170 different indexers on the graph network. Over 27% of the total GRT supply has been staked in the network, which is pretty substantial. Um, and there's over 5,000 unique delegators in the graph network um, that are staking with different indexers. So each indexer chooses their own kind of, they have their own economic model and structure. So the indexers kind of choose which one, then they get, they kind of split the fees within the graph network. Both of them earn GRT um, and then curate will be launching soon where uh, curators will also earn GRT 
And then on the other side of this marketplace, you have the consumers or the developers. Um, so many of the like early subgraph builders have kind of committed to paying an amount of GRT on behalf of their users for the query costs. Um, you can imagine paying for query costs similar to how gas costs work in Ethereum. So each query has like a tiny amount associated with it um, that's paid in GRT. And then that goes to the indexers, the delegators, and the curators who are all participating in this ecosystem and it all goes peer to peer as opposed to like going to some centralized entity let's say if the graph was centralized taking all that money for themselves no we we give it all out to the participants within the ecosystem wow wow so, so i'm thinking it, a lot yeah. more is actually in and around the ecosystem of the of the token it's not necessarily just being like staked necessarily with the delegators it seems like even within that ecosystem most of the supply is is kind of moving around in there so it's like you've you've created a, a case for not just holding it and and the value of of the you know being a part of that network, but also the usage of it. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's a utility token. It's it, that's what we created it for was to be used in the ecosystem, and you benefit for doing that. You know, it's better than just kind of holding it and and seeing what happens. Um, it's better to kind of use it in the network for its you know intended purpose. Right. I'm I'm on a like I guess this is a bigger question, but like you know. It seems like, uh, you know, what's the role of a company in this ecosystem? You know, if there's this whole environment that's built around it, and if, like, let's say I have a, a web application, and mm -hmm. my, my typical path would have been, I'm going to set up a company, I'm going to, you know, have a cap table, I've got investors, I've got the whole thing. But it seems like it, if I have data and I work within this ecosystem, I could be making money that way instead. Do I even need a company? Like, how does this all, I guess, how do you see this all playing out? Yeah, so you know, as an innovator who has a company, you can create a subgraph, and then you know, through creating that subgraph, you know, you don't, you, 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 you can either choose to pay on behalf of your users, but you don't necessarily have to. Um, so it's inexpensive as opposed to paying a ton of like server costs to AWS or some centralized um, individual. You can instead kind of contribute that to the the indexers that are doing that work in the ecosystem. You could also be a curator to kind of earn that way. You could also delegate to earn that way. Or if you have the technical ability and, and interest, you could run an indexer node. I would say indexing does take about five hours a week at a minimum. So it is kind of like a full-time job. We have like, there's, there's many different indexers and each of them kind of have their own team of people that are doing that indexing. And that's all growing because they're doing so well within the graph network. Um, so yeah, really exciting. And it's still very much early within the graph network. Um, we're very much in the beta phase. We've only launched indexing and delegating. There's one subgraph on the graph network um, and you know we'll be migrating other subgraphs over in the coming months, really kind of getting stable footing within the network before we migrate that over. So it is still, still very early days. Very cool. John, I know you had some stuff around the council or governance that you want to ask or? Well, yeah, I mean, with this environment, you know, um, I, I was reading you have the graph council that's recently uh, coming out there. Tell us more about that. And how does governance work within this ecosystem? Yeah, so the graph token doesn't contain governance, but there is governance kind of overseeing the graph foundation um, and the protocol and grants. And so um, decentralization does take time. The graph kind of started out as a more centralized entity with the intent of decentralizing over time. Um, and so we launched the decentralized network, major milestone unlocked. And now we're kind of in this new era of the graph ecosystem. And so um, the graph 
foundation is overseen by a 10-person council. Um, each of those individuals represent a community member. Um, so there's five different categories. There's the indexers. So two individuals from the council represent the indexer community, two represent the curation community, two represent the delegators or the, the GRT kind of token holders, and then two represent the initial team. Um, and so the community is is has a voice and that voice is communicated through those individuals within the technical council. Um, and so Eva Balin is the director of the Graph Foundation. She's amazing, brilliant. And she has kind of opened the grants wave one. And so she, I think she's sorting through those applicants um, and those will be announced soon. But so many great applicants have, have kind of come in, come through that program. Um, and so, you know, so many businesses to be kind of um, seeded by the Graph Foundation. So we're, we're, you know, say we're a lunar crush and we're, we want to utilize in some way, we, you know, we put together a business plan or we put together a proposal and then push that over to the the foundation and, and the grants. And then they, they decide whether or not. Totally. You know, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to create a subgraph, even if you don't have the technical ability in-house or you don't have time, you can submit a grant application to the Graph Foundation and tell them, please find someone to build this for me. There's so many dev shops, mm -hmm. also like independent businesses that have spun up um, to provide subgraph building for the ecosystem. One of them is Protofire, who's amazing. Um, and there's there's so many others. Uh, so yes, please do that. We would love to see, you know, I'm sure the foundation would love to see that application come through. For sure. So I, I have a follow-up question that's a huge one that that does relates to relate to governance. Um, yeah. I want to talk about governments. Um, you know, so in, in a web three world where everything's decentralized, you'll have governance, you'll have data, you'll have applications, you'll have communities. What is the role of a government in that environment? Oh man. I'm not going to get you into trouble, but you know, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just a little question. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the government has a massive job, right? It's it's difficult for one person to kind of take care of themselves, their family, their friends, let alone kind of a government taking care of everyone in the country or, or the world. And so I think the governance within these different protocols is a way for them to kind of take care of their community. Um, but I, I think there's still room for governments to kind of oversee and, and um, kind of help within this ecosystem. Again, like the incentives within the government are not aligned in so many different ways, you know, with the Fed kind of printing so much money and kind of the, f the fiat dollar depreciating compared to Bitcoin and other currencies within this ecosystem. And so, yeah, and so we need to realign incentives. I think they need a new governance structure potentially. Um, and so I think this is a, a great kind of the, these governance structures, you know, governance best practices are still being identified you know the, there's not one one solution for governance i think that's going to be identified in the coming months coming years um and so kind of the graph council has kind of taken approach to do um, a gip process which is the graph improvement protocol uh graph improvement process and so anyone can vote if you're a delegate or an indexer or, or even if you're neither uh, and you want to have a voice you can vote on any gips that are moving through the council um, i believe there have been two to date um, and so you can actually go to the graph forum and kind of keep an eye on all of the governance um, proposals kind of going through. Very cool. Yeah, it's I interesting. Like you brought it back to graph. Stay away from talking <laughs> about government. Yeah, but I mean, it's like just, I think it's just like the ebb and flow of the ecosystem. Like it's not like you were here in 2011. I mean, John 2013 and then me like 2015. And it's just, 
you've probably seen the progression and it's not just, you know, a bunch of gamers and, you know, hackers and, and then people kind of coming into the industry. It's like, you know, now it's like Tesla and now like you're like, and it's not just like the money coming in, it's the talent. Totally. And I think that like next generation of developers that have spent like probably a little too much time at Google or Amazon or somewhere else. And they said, you know, I want to go build something different. You know, I want to challenge myself a little bit more. And I think it, it becomes difficult for any large company to challenge every single person, you know, as much as a startup could potentially challenge someone, right? It's just, it just doesn't work. Um, so I think we're, we're seeing this kind of next generation of, of talent coming in and it's super exciting. And it's like, you got, you guys have built this ecosystem of developers, which I think is going to really kind of bolster. It's kind of what I think of like Shopify. It's like, they've always said, we're going to pay our developers more than we're going to pay ourselves. I don't know if that's still a thing that was a couple of years ago, but I mean, that just catapulted them with the talent there. Totally. Yeah. What my, my CEO, Yaniv Tall, he is very much a visionary, lives in the future, you know, is, you know, and he, one, one thing that he said the other day that I found very profound was just kind of like, you know, you, you see so much um, repetitive repetitiveness with technology now, you know, it, it started out very innovative, kind of changed the world. But now we're seeing like the iPhone revert back to the iPhone that was kind of the original version, because there's not too much you can do beyond all the innovation that they have brought. And, you know, you see some kind of weird technology in the corner, and you're like, that's strange. But then like one day you wake up and it changes everything. And I think, you know, that's almost where we are with the Web3 ecosystem. Um, right now, we're still kind of weird in the corner, but Bitcoin has kind of gone mainstream. Um, and now I think capital allocators almost have a responsibility to allocate a piece of their allocation into crypto, you know, be it if they're a CEO of a company, a piece of their balance sheet or, or treasury should be within the crypto space. Um, you know, capital allocators between funds, hedge funds, uh, asset managers, like you have a responsibility to your clients to this is no longer a lottery ticket. This is now an asset class and you need to start paying attention or you're going to be left behind. Yep. No, it's great. Isn't point. it funny that those against it are arguing so hard trying to prove a point as Bitcoin just keeps going up? Totally. <laughs> so at the beginning, you're like, oh my God, this could go to zero. And you're always right. the ticker price. But now it's like, we call it FUD in the crypto space. And it's just like, there's FUD everywhere. Like India just tried to ban cryptocurrency. Yes. China's right. banned it like seven times. You know, it's it just gets kind of funny to watch it because it is kind of disrupting power structures. And, you know, people are afraid people want to keep close to the status quo because that's what they're comfortable with. It's kind of part of human nature to want to do that. But I think it's important to kind of step outside of your comfort zone, look at why the power structures aren't really working for everyone anymore. And maybe we need to change. And maybe instead of resisting it, you should embrace it. This feels like a well big said. battle and a tipping point that's about to happen here. I mean, like we've, we've talked about Google and Amazon, for example, they have centralized control over everything that they do at a, in a huge portion of society. And then you have governments regulating them that are telling them what they can and cannot do that yeah. dictates what all the people can and cannot do. And now we're saying, yeah, we've got decentralized governance, Web3. None of you guys have any control anymore. Deal with it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think they're in a really tricky place and I sympathize with like Google and Amazon and Twitter. It's like you, because you have this centralized control and power, you feel like an obligation to do what's right. And you're like, they're as big as nations now. And so, you know, they have to kind of, they're, they're acting as if they are kind of governments. 
And so it's a tricky place. And that's why I think like, let's neutralize the technology, let's get the right incentive structures on there, so that you, you know, can just focus on, you know, really, you know, aligning those incentives and empowering individuals, as opposed to like, oh, man, we've grown so big. And now, you know, we might have just gotten, you know, someone elected who maybe shouldn't have been there and all of this crazy stuff. And so, <laughs> yes, and so I, I empathize with them. But I, I think, you know, it's time for everyone to jump in and, and, and kind of dive into this ecosystem and um, really empower individuals and, and give people voices and, and also, you know, a piece of, you know, what, what is to be kind of earned and prospered from within this ecosystem. That's such a within great point. Yeah. And it's just like, I, governments have been trying to, and everyone, they've been trying to, a small amount of people have been trying to make decisions for a large amount of people for a, a long period of time, right? We, we know that model. And they still don't have it right, you know, and, and it's just a continuous thing and improvements over time. But like you're saying, like Twitter trying to do that now or, or Google, they only have like 15 years of practice, right? They don't have 200 years of practice, right? And so it's, it, it maybe we need to go the other way, right? And it's like the sovereign individual kind of uh, totally. like process, right? I think so. And, you know, I grew up in Ohio. And so Ohio, it's like, you know, very like white predominant, you know, Christian space mostly and there's a lot of poverty and people are struggling there and so they hear kind of politicians saying well we know better than you and we'll do this for you and it's quite patronizing and it's difficult you know it's putting them in a difficult situation and then like on top of that saying like oh you're privileged because you're white well they haven't felt that privilege um, and that opportunity and so it's difficult to speak for everyone and I think you know I think you have a, a great point I think we need to give that sovereignty both from you know a financial standpoint, but also kind of an empowerment standpoint. You know, I believe everyone has a unique purpose in this world um, and we should be helping them find that unique purpose. Um, and I think that's really what crypto is doing. And I think, you know, the graph and edge node, that's one of our kind of commitments or the um, edge node, I can only speak for edge node, um, but that is one of our commitments is to like help, help empower individuals because there's so much untapped talent all over the globe. And now that we have the internet, we can bring, you know, we can bring those individuals into the space without, without needing to like be there physically. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the potential. I want, you know, everyone to learn and, and benefit from this ecosystem. Well, you got, we have a, you have, already have your sign here from GRT Jesus. Web 3.0 <laughs> will change the world with the globe soon. So I, if, the, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. <laughs> I love it. You know, it's funny. You just said, you just said, you know, we're, we're doing all this through the internet and I, I, I can't help but think, you know, we're seeing a lot of society reopen now. Um, COVID numbers are getting lower. Cross fingers, it stays that way. Yeah. Um, schools are reopening, restaurants are reopening, especially we're in Southern California. Um, and it, it almost is bumming me out in a strange way. I'm like, oh no, I have to drive around more. I have to have commitments again. And I'm like, I just want yep. the internet back. <laughs> I want it, I want it. I like the last year in a strange way. Right. Um, I know it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's been efficient. Do more, get more done. Yeah, the FOMO is beginning again, but I miss everyone. I miss people. I know. I know. To come back, but I agree. And we've seen so much development and productivity. And I think like crypto culture was very much like going from blockchain event, country to country, city to city, like nonstop over and over and over again. And it's like exhausting. I remember I was like exhausted. I was supposed to go right. to speak at ECC in Paris after East Denver. And then COVID was like, and I was like, maybe I shouldn't, you know, I'm going to hold, right. hold that trip. Right. And like <laughs> lockdown began. 
Um, but maybe now we can balance and we can say, okay, we've, you know, we've taken a pause for over a year. We've, you know, before that we were nonstop running. Maybe let's strike a balance between these two and right. I think we can get into a healthier place. I hope so. I hope so. Most definitely. So John, you want to hop in some of the community, you know, I, we, we were talking, you know, obviously we, we like to say without a community, there's no crypto. Um, I mean, what, you know, we, we showed earlier, you know, the graph had almost 2% of, of the share of voice across, across all of social that we, we grab, which sometimes is up to what a million engagements, a million individuals a day. I mean, what, what do you think people are gravitating towards the most? And, you know, what, it, that's a, that's a huge amount of engagements. I mean, when you think about even Bitcoin and kind of breaking into that, I mean, what are you guys doing to, to build that community and to, and to do that? I mean, I think it's exactly what we've talked about is like empowering them, giving them a voice, making them feel heard, helping them find their talents. I think, you know, one mistake that the crypto space I think has made uh, is just like develop, being developer focused, not really ex like accepting business or, or marketing minds into the fold. And like we're creating a new Internet, we're creating a new financial system. We need every single skill set that exists across the globe in this space, not just technical developers. We need everyone. We need the marketers. We need the business development minds. We need the analysts. We need every single person. So like come and, you know, there's something for you to do in this space. So don't be afraid. Step out of your comfort zone. Leave your day job if you're, you know, in a, in a privileged position to do that, you know, leaving Wall Street was extremely scary and, and hard. But I'm so grateful that I made that that leap and that jump. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and so, you know, just kind of empowering everyone, the graph started focused with like the developers building, iterating for the developers, giving them something they want, they need, you know, to build in this ecosystem. And then also kind of inviting in the indexers, inviting in the, the curators. We did a great curator program. There were over 2000 individuals that signed up for that program. It was a very intensive program. We had them do so many different action items, learn all about the protocol, um, fill out forms. It was kind of like, a, a course almost. And so after that, they, they got it, you know, they understood the importance of the graph, you know, what Google does for the web, the graph does for blockchains, we focus on on chain data. Um, whereas in a lot of people are familiar with chain link, where it's kind of like bringing off chain data to the real world, we bring the blockchain data to the rest of the world. Um, and we partnered with Chainlink. So all of Chainlink's Oracle data can be indexed and queried via the graph. They're a great partner. Um, and so, and so, yeah, it's just giving everyone a voice, making them feel heard and um, really kind of empowering them to, you know, find their passions and, and go for it. Mm, amazing. Powerhouse. <laughs> Graft and Chainlink together. Yeah, no, it's just like my mind is kind of exploding. Yeah, right. Um, I wanted to throw this question in there because we keep talking about the word Google keeps coming up in this. So I, we should do a word count on this live stream. But um, what do you think of this often quoted comparison with the graph being Web3 equivalent of Google? And we, we've kind of addressed this, but any more insights on that? Yeah, it's it's similar. I think it is like a one liner that, you know, people can kind of captivate in their minds what the graph does in that way. Um, and so, you know, it's very different because we're, we're not monetizing people's data or selling people ads, but in the, the sense of like accessing the data that's out there and bringing that to the individual, bringing that, allowing for the developer to bring that to the individual, empowering the developer to bring that to their users um, is what the graph does. And so it's not a direct comparison because the graph is not search. Um, but the graph is kind of this decentralized indexing and query layer. Um, and so what the graph is doing is very new. It's, you know, it's, it's different than what anything that's ever been done before. Um, so it's not a direct comparison, but I think it is a way for people to, you know, for it to click in people's minds, kind of what it, what it does and, and why it's needed. 
Interesting. Cool. Um, got another one from Miss Hacker three two one on YouTube. Uh, don't you think having a graph council defies the whole purpose of decentralization? Everybody should have a role. Yeah. So I think it's a great question. I think that decentralization takes time. You, you know, you have to build something, you have to iterate. Um, building a company takes a really, really long time. Building a protocol takes even longer. And so this is kind of just the beginning, but that graph council, there's there's plans for it to, to decentralize even further. So the graph council, their job is to hear the community's voices and, um, like uh, relay those voices into the protocol, but there's you know there's talks of potentially create, turning that into a DAO. But right now, like I said, the best practices around governance are not there, and so we're waiting to kind of figure out how to do it the best and the right way. But I agree, there's so much more to do. There's so much decentralization to be done, and we would love to hear everyone's voice on how you think we should do that. So please get involved, vote. Um, we would love to hear hear from you. How, how can they get in? How can they get in touch if they want to get involved? Yeah, so um, we have a Discord, a Twitter, a Telegram. So Graph Protocol on Twitter, um, I believe Telegram as well. I can share everything so that you can share it with your community. Um, but there's a, so many places. Discord is like where a lot of the developers speak to one another. Uh, Telegram is where a lot of the more like business-minded individuals speak to one another. So I'll share all of that. Yeah, I, I mean, I just want to say, like, for, as far as your community goes, um, like, I just hopped into Discord to get in contact with you guys. And it was like some admin on Discord that connected me with you guys on Telegram. And then you created a group and it was really fast. And so I just want to say, like, as a random person kind of coming in, um, I think you guys did a really nice job of, like, facilitating that. So it's like, you, it's easy to get into and get to you guys if, if people want to, uh, which is really, which is really good. Yes, we try to be accessible um, and, you know, we intend to keep Edge and Node, the team, very small. But what's great is you can have a community of like thousands, millions, maybe even billions of people now that we have, you know, the Internet and decentralization. So it's really exciting. Yeah, I just want to see your answer on decentralization was really good, too. You know, it's like everyone talks about Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the most decentralized, you know, computing system. It's like a truth machine, right, on the planet. At one point, it was just Satoshi. <laughs> right, it's the most centralized thing on the on the earth. Right, one one person, and it it takes time to get there, and that's you know eleven twelve years ago now, and so it takes time for each of these projects to get there, and everything's just a startup, right? Like it's just new pro. It's you know that's why it's even the word like cryptocurrency. I feel like is is not actually correct, right? Like it, it's not, and so it's like the like pull, somehow you could pull that mm -hmm. out. It's just like these are just startup companies trying to disrupt and do new things and they're utilizing new technology to make that happen that's more efficient than what was there before but so, i think like rebranding cryptocurrency at this point is is out the door <laughs> totally and you know i think you have a really great point and over time the graph protocol will become more and more and more decentralized until it's kind of fully decentralized the graph node has a service agreement with the graph foundation to provide um different services like i mentioned um but over time the graph protocol will just kind of live and exist on its own with all of the amazing community members and indexers delegators curators there to support it yeah, I have, I have a question from from me. Um, if Halfany wasn't Satoshi, who was it? <laughs> oh, so, so Satoshi, I think, was like a group of, of really great individuals. Um, and so I think Halfany might have been one of them. And he's frozen cryogenically. So maybe we'll all meet him in the future <laughs> and ask the question. <laughs> wow, amazing. All right, back to graph. Um, can, you, can, can you explain the past proposal allowing indexers to withdraw rewards without undelegating? Does this benefit delegators? 
I think it does. Um, so we've kind of seen some tribalism emerge within the graph community as you do. So kind of indexers versus the delegators, which I think it's really important to kind of unite and realize we're all in this together. Um, so the indexers had a proposal that they could kind of unstake their rewards or, or kind of create a separate bucket for those rewards so that they can pay their costs. You know, it's really expensive to be an indexer and there are costs associated with that. And so those rewards being used to pay those expenses allow for healthier indexers that are, you know, are, are more sustainable over time. And so I'm very much in favor of that proposal because I think it's great for the graph protocol and the ecosystem and all of us to thrive. Um, and so I know it seems like, oh, we're worried that, you know, if they are able to sell those rewards, it could impact, you know, the network. And, but I think it's, it's beneficial overall. Um, and I think they should be allowed to do that. Cool. Uh, we have one more question. That's a great question and, and paying so close attention to the graph ecosystem. <laughs> Love it. We have one more question from Jamesy T. Uh, do you have an estimate for when subgraphs will have migrated off of the host service? Any timeline you can share? Yes, thanks for another great question and paying so much attention to the graphic system. Yeah, so we are just making sure that we have stable footing. There's a massive payments breakthrough that we are going to be announcing soon. So keep an eye out mm. for that. Um, mm. And so this is it's expected to happen in, I will say, the coming months. Um, but stay tuned. Announcement. Any more insights on, yeah, what, yeah, that was that. What, uh, and what is that exactly? Any ballpark in terms of what that is? Uh, I would say, you know, keep a close eye out. Um, but we, we don't like to set timelines. We like to do things right and correctly. Um, and so that is what we're doing here. Um, but very soon. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, I think we're, yeah, you got, well, you got another one? Go for it. No, that was it. No, that was it. That was it. Go for it. Amazing. Yeah, no, I just said, you know, kind of like give us a little bit of like what, you know, I think we've covered a lot of like what the future is, but just give us like what you might have lost me. Am I, am I still there? I can hear you. Yeah. Cool. Hey Joe, um, we can hear you. Yeah. Just what's the future? What's the future going to look like over the next year? And then, you know, what do you want to leave us with today? Yeah. So I think over the next year, really kind of gaining strong footing, a lot of amazing protocols are, you know, about to launch, just launching, um, seeing exciting development in, uh, on the layer two space, as well as different applications. And so the graph is here to index and query all of that data um, and, you know, really moving a lot of web two into web three, aligning incentives and empowering individuals. Awesome. Well, Tegan, this was super fun. I appreciate you coming on here and doing this. I learned a lot today. I'm excited. Um, I know, I know John is and, you know, just keep up the good work and, you know, whatever we can do to help, let us know. And uh, thank you guys out there for watching YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Theta, and above and beyond. So everyone out there, this will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, all the above here over the next week. Um, and just just where do you want everyone to go? How do they find the graph? Yeah, graph protocol. You can also find me on Twitter at the Klein Venture. Um, and thank you so much for hosting. This was really fun. We should do it again soon. Cool, cool. All right, Tegan. Thank you. We'll chat with you backstage. Everyone, thank you so much.